Living Adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Kamut, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running or bikepacking, Kamut's easy-to-use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Kamut. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here, needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Um... <laughs> Have a loop. Cake, tick. <laughs> Coffee, tick. Sunshine, tick. <laughs> Sitting by the river ooze, I very much enjoyed meeting Jeanette, Helen and Francis, three out of four of the women from the Yorkshire Rose team, also known as Four Mums in a Boat, friends who rowed 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean, broke a world record and learned a lot about life on the way. I also rowed the Atlantic a few years ago and I forged great friendships with the three lads I rowed with. So I enjoyed the obvious camaraderie between the friends here in Yorkshire, as well as the intriguing variety of outcomes that the same expedition had had on their different personalities. We talked about the perceived stigma of irresponsible mums swanning off on adventures, about the struggles of life after huge adventures, and the differences in risk between running a business and rowing the Atlantic Ocean. I'm interested in two things in particular, and I think you lot are perfect to ask about. First one, you mentioned a bit earlier, is someone's here in life and they kind of want to be here. That's what really interests me. You're here and you sort of want to be here. So you, you talked about wanting to row the Atlantic as a change in direction after yes. business. Yes, it Can was. Can you tell me a bit about that, please? Yeah, so I'd been running my business for about 20 years and then um, I decided to sell the business and once I'd made that decision, I wondered, oh, what am I going to do now? What's next? And Francis, my good friend Francis, asked me if I wanted to row an ocean and it was just at the right time. And um, it was a different challenge so running a business, you know, I took a lot of risks and things like that, but rowing an ocean is a completely different ball game, really. It's not business, it's not employees, it's spending 67 days on a boat with three other women. And it's physical, and I'm not a physical person. Okay, right, I could, hang on. I could ask you about 10 different questions for about an hour after what you just said there. Um, What's the difference between risk in business and risk in rowing an ocean? You could lose your life rowing an ocean. 
Okay. Normally in business, I guess it depends what kind of business you're in. You you know that you're not going to lose lose your life. You could lose all your possessions, and you could lose all your financial um, uh, things, all your material things in business, and that that in a way is a risk. But now that I've rode an ocean, I don't give a damn about those things anymore. But I did when I was running the business. That I mean, that was my focus. I was looking at profits. I was looking at the financial aspects. I was looking at the beautiful house it bought me, the cars it bought me the life it bought me and that was completely the wrong way to look at my life and I didn't learn that until I had rode the ocean actually so yes it's a it's a completely different ball game and I'm ever grateful to Francis for asking me to do that um the third thing out of the first sentence you said that was really interesting to me is you said you're not a physical person Mm. but you rode an ocean so you might not have been a physical person, but clearly now m- most people would regard you as being doing something very impressive and physical. So tell me a bit about that as a non, someone who identifies being a non-physical person going off and taking on an epic physical challenge. As you see, it's interesting you should ask that because I still don't think that I'm a physical <laughs> person and I still don't see myself as any kind of athlete in any way. And it's weird, is that, isn't it? I wonder why I do that. I've no idea because I did run the London Marathon and I did run the Paris Marathon and it took me hours and hours and I had to walk a lot of it. And I still don't see myself as a physical person or an athletic person because I'm just not. I think my answer to that question would be that, to your your ponderings, is that the reason you think that is because you don't need to be a physical person to row an ocean or do a marathon. Um, I also yeah. categorise myself as not being an athlete in any way, but I've cycled thousands of miles. And um, I did the London Marathon one year, and I trained really hard, and I did it fast. Um, I'll never run it faster than that. I was as fast as I possibly could. And when I got to the finish line, my mother-in-law was not yet at halfway doing the same race that day. Wow. And when I look back on like people, when they ask me about the race, they're impressed because I did it fast. But I'm far more impressed about her who took twice as long over it, but yeah. did it anyway. So I think we're all physical people, aren't we? I guess we are. But we don't, yeah. all, we don't all do yeah. stuff. I suppose, you know, you, we shouldn't do this, but I compare myself, when I, when I talk about that, I compare myself to other people who are athletes, who do train, who do do marathons in, you know, less than four hours. And because I'm making that comparison, that's where I'm putting myself, which is probably the wrong thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. I'm a fantastic athlete. Let's just go with that. Brilliant. Okay, well, I'll let you get back to eating your cake. Thank you. <laughs> I'll ask Francis the second thing that interests me, which is, one is how we go about people want to do something, but the change is hard. And the, the sec- so once you, you, I think loads of people, probably all of us, we're here and we want to do something, but there's usually something that's stopping us. It's often time or money or something. So I'm interested in the barriers you faced trying to row the ocean so for example you're a middle-aged woman (laughs) with a proper job what on earth is someone like you rowing an ocean for that should be for young virile men with trust funds shouldn't it (laughs) (laughs) and there were a few of those in our race but for me it almost became 
I, I was really struggling going to work every day and just thinking, is this it? And what was your for job? For my whole life, I'm a lawyer. And I'm still a lawyer and I'm a happy lawyer. I was less of a happy lawyer then because of some of the people that I was working with whose views on life were not aligned with mine. But I was starting to feel as though not even being dramatic about it, a little bit of my soul was dying every day living the life that I was living and I wanted to look back and be proud of the decisions I'd made and have days that I remembered and years that I remembered and the years were just merging into one. So something had to happen. And because I'd read a book by Deborah Searle and thought it was brilliant and I'd mentioned to my friends that this was a great idea and they said yes. So we just made the decision as a collective and then we made it happen and we never ever thought this is not going to happen from the very day we first agreed to do it. But there really? were even, barriers. Even though you're middle-aged and a woman? No, never. <laughs> we never doubted it at all. We never doubted it. I don't think of myself as middle-aged. I still think I'm 18. <laughs> I think we all do, don't we? Well, not yeah. all of us, but I think people who do this sort of stuff yeah, yeah. think of ourselves as 18. Yeah. And how about... Um, how, uh, how on earth... What on earth is a m- four mothers rowing an ocean? That's very irresponsible. It's it's fine for it's fine for uh, <laughs> fine for men to row oceans and dads to row oceans. No one ever asks them about that, do they? No, they don't. But uh, what about four mums rowing an ocean? What on earth are you doing? I'm very impressed that you'll ask us that because nobody ever dared ask us that when yeah. we were in the lead up to it. Nobody ever I'm, said out to our faces, "You're so selfish, leaving your children behind." But all we did, and we thought about this a lot, all we did was actually leave our children in the loving care of their fathers for three months, which doesn't seem such a terrible amount of abuse at all. I think it's probably actually a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In the big picture of it. Yeah. And I think their relationships with their fathers strengthened and went to different places. And I think it's important for all of us to realise we're not indispensable. We are dispensable and our children are fine without us for a short time. We miss them more than they missed us, for, for sure. So... Um, in terms of the, the barriers that stop us, I think there's the practical things. And then I think each of us has something in our head that's the main thing that we have, that the main hang-up we have. So you were saying you're, you're, not, you're not physical, for example, but you went and rode an ocean. Did you, what, you seem like a power lawyer to me who has no <laughs> weakness or chinks in the armour. What, what were you worrying about beforehand? Of, what, what were your doubts I don't even think that I had that many doubts. My own, my driver always was to, to make sure I don't regret what I've done and to get to later in my life and think that was all a terrible mistake. Why did I do it in those ways? My mother died when she was just 58. And I think as I got into my mid-40s and thought, blimey, if that's my future and I've only got 10 or 15 years left just can't let that happen that I'm looking back I'd listen I do listen to a lot of TED talks and one of them that hit home with me a lot was a guy who ran a New York design agency and he thought I'm not gonna work all my life get to 50 or 60 then have no health and then want to do lots of things so he closes his agency one year in every four or something and goes off and has an adventure and I think it was kind of that sort of idea that I thought I can have a little break and I'm always persuaded by cheesy quotes and there's a lovely one that does the rounds on social media that is a little bird on a branch who doesn't care if the branch breaks because it's got wings and I do think I'm a pretty good lawyer so actually I can get a, make a living 
even if I lose this job, I'll get another job. And so I was buoyed up by, I've got the tools that I need to get through this, even if my career goes down the pan there, even if I lose my job because I'm taking three months off. So I didn't have any big doubts, really. And I saved money years in advance, squirreling away £50 a month so that I knew I could afford it to not earn while I was away. Okay. I'm even more impressed, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was ask uh, Helen, just about, you're about to have a big glug of of your latte before I ask you the the third aspect that I'm interested (coughs) in about going off on adventures or, or trying to live adventurously in some way is what's the point of it it's all very fun going off and pratting around in a rowing boat for a, a while but what what I think there has to be more to it than that um, so what did rowing the ocean teach you about normal everyday real life so I'm a big believer in that you follow your gut instinct even though you don't know what's around the corner um so when francis asked me to go on this adventure i just immediately said yes because my gut told me to say yes even though i didn't know whether we'd make it to the start line or whether we would die rowing across the ocean i just knew that it was the right thing to do and everything was saying no to me. I couldn't do it because I had I paid bills and I had a job and, and I didn't know how we were going to move on to the next section. I just knew that I had to do it. So for me, rowing the ocean and getting to Antigua was a highlight. But for me, the best bits have been the people we've met along the way of the adventure. So we also rode across the North Sea and we were the first women to row across the North Sea. And we met some amazing people from around the world, which my children met. So one of them was Perfecta Sanchez, who was rowing with Greg across the North Sea, who's an amazing, lovely man who I met when I went back to New York. So we met all these inspiring can-do individuals which my children met as well. So the bonus for me of doing this adventure was that they, my children, absorbed all this positive energy from these people. So my children are not impressed by me whatsoever and they're probably very embarrassed. So I don't inspire them but all these other people have inspired them so for me it was meeting all these different people even Bridge and Jane from BBC Breakfast who followed our story just it was just so I'm just so glad we did it and then when we actually did the actual adventure our true selves definitely came out on that boat so we thought we all knew each other really well and and I think we probably did but you, but you can't hide anything when you're on the ocean and your true, your and true you're self tired. and when you're tired and when you're scared. And I think I remember one night, Francis, you said, I think we're all going to die tonight. And, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Good rousing team yeah, talk. Yeah, he said, I think we're all... And I was going, no, let's we're not, the, Francis. <laughs> let's eat all the chocolates. <laughs> no, well, that's another story okay. of those two who did eat all the chocolates um, and film themselves eating all the chocolates, the only chocolate on the boat. So, so yeah, your true self definitely comes out on that boat. And for me, it's changed my life a lot because I'm now doing a different career, really, as a result of finding what I 
liked doing on that boat. And then when we got to Antigua, it was the most brilliant experience. But what I didn't plan for was how I would feel when I got off the boat. So for me, that's been a completely unexpected experience and journey, which has resulted in me doing something different with my life afterwards. So it has had a huge impact on me doing the adventure. But the downside is, it, you know, it does want, you know, I do want to do lots of other things. And I really struggle now with feeling content. And I really wish, my one wish is I feel content and I just I don't. I think in the wrong business for that. <laughs> I think I, I always think of going on my adventures as opening Pandora's box. You've op- it's a kind of cursed existence you give for yourself, I think. Isn't it? You see these, you you taste this life, and then normal life is difficult. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think um, I just struggled. I don't want to talk for other people, but I just struggled with what we call an adrenaline hangover. And even though when we got back, we were doing lots of exciting things. Um, the book was exciting. We did we did lots and lots of exciting things, but I just felt unhappy throughout the whole period and I remember thinking this is really annoying because I'm having the best time ever but I'm not (laughs) and have you solved that yet well I just felt there was definitely yes yes I have so it took me about 18 months to feel normal again Um, and then I've now just qualified as a performance life coach because I think there's a real gap in the market for pre and post adventure coaching because that's what I needed it's no one gives an ounce of thought to what happens after the adventure do they no and that was a real shock because we didn't either we just thought I thought I'd get to Antigua and think wow that's it I've done it now the end and I'm going to be really happy and I've achieved this amazing thing that not many women have done and I just didn't feel like that at all it made me worse Maybe I could ask the other two about uh, how you, how did you feel afterwards? What is it? Did um, did you get out of it what you'd hoped you would? Yeah, everything and more. Um, I I was a, a lot more settled, I think, when I came back than than Helen was. I didn't struggle in the same way. We're all different, aren't we? And we we deal with things differently. Um, I yeah, I it was. I cannot say that it was difficult because it wasn't difficult. Maybe the first couple of weeks, just getting back into things. Um, What I did do was I decided that I no longer wanted to work full time. (laughs) Um, And, um, you know, because I'd sold the business, I did go back to work for the company who I'd sold the business to. And I can remember the first meeting I went into and I just thought, actually, I don't want to be here. It's, you know, tea and biscuits, discussing the same issues that we discussed at the last meeting, coming back to the same things. And and I just thought, I don't need to do this anymore. And then I realised that actually I've got choice and I can decide what I want to do. So I decided not to work. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and it's lovely because I've worked so hard all my life and missed years with my children. I've missed years with them, especially my youngest. And now I can spend time with her and I can go to the pictures with her. We can go for walks. We can do things together. Um, you know, my son's a bit older now. Um, so actually, 
I think what it does for you in many ways is it makes you reassess your life a little bit, I think, and then say, okay, I don't have to do what I'm doing now. I can do something else. Um, we don't always have that choice, but in a way we do actually have a choice. I think we put barriers in terms of choices. So, yeah. Yeah, I suspect most most of us have more choice than we mm. often like to acknowledge. Yeah. It's easy to, yeah. it, it's quite comforting to think, oh, I can't do this. Because. It's almost comforting, isn't it, yeah. to hide in that. Yeah. And what I about we you, do have choice. Francis? Yeah. What, did, did, the, uh, did the output of the trip match your expectations of input? Yeah, it, it, it definitely did. And because I changed my job just before I went, I didn't have to go back to the same one. So I had a whole new direction from a work perspective. But I also found the best thing for me being on the boat was how simple life was. It wasn't easy, but it was so simple. And that's a bit of a drug as well. I and mean, just being outdoors is a drug for me. So I sign up for all sorts of events because I know that if I don't sign up for an event, I won't do any training at all and I won't <laughs> do anything. I'll just come home and have a gin and watch Netflix. <laughs> so I try and, you know, I felt a bit unsettled, maybe not so much as Helen, but I don't know because it's difficult to gauge comparisons, isn't it? And in the June after we finished, I signed up for the Marathon des Sables and instantly felt better because even though it was two years away, I had something to focus on on the horizon. So now I've got a 10K in my diary or a half, you know, just different cycling events or running events. Or, and as long as my diary's got these little things in it, it seems I can stay on an even keel. And work is busy always, but my weekends now... I do some of your micro adventures. So, I, you know, it's amazing what you can fit in a weekend without taking a day off work. Okay. Yes, definitely. That's definitely true. Now, you, you've um, you've helped me out by giving me three questions to ask. The, the, these three <laughs> questions that... Do you, do you ask everyone these questions or is it... What was the... So, but tell me the background of the questions and I'm going to ask you the questions. Well, the background of the questions is, is that me and Jeanette have basically started our kind of like... A small business where we, um, yeah, yeah, we're not business, and it's not really a business. Yeah, we meet once a week, but we basically we've met some really inspiring people, um, and we like to um, give people a platform to tell their story who might not be have a platform. So these three questions were something that we just came up with that we ask certain people, and we've asked people who we've met along the way. So there was someone called Simon Biltcliffe who runs a um, business where he uses, is it Marxist and, I can't remember his business ethos. He's a really interesting character. So we basically just ask those three questions to people who we meet and the answers we get are always really, really different and really interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to ask one for each of you. So the first question, uh, oh. Helen, what's, what's your story? You see, this is now, this is when you get a taste of your medicine. <laughs> the tables have turned. What's my story? You think, story? that's a rubbish question. It is. So... <laughs> it's your question, not mine. I know, what's my story? Good. So what's my story? Who, Who am I? So I'm a Yorkshire mum. I'm, I'm a mum from Yorkshire who... Um, likes to say yes to every opportunity that comes my way and I basically say yes and then worry about how it's all going to work out later so 
I don't know what else to say. I think that's good. That's a really hard question. Well, it's now you've asked me. That's good. I know, but I'm not very interesting. Yeah. I think that was a good answer. Everyone is interesting. That's the, isn't it? That's right, Jeanette. What's your why? My why right now is um, my family and my friends, and um, enjoying my life with them. That's why I exist. I exist now to be with other people and to help other people and to serve other people. I've actually always liked serving other people. And so I'm right now I'm doing things like business mentoring to help other, other people run the businesses and things like that. You know, not to earn any money or anything. It's just helping and serving people. And that's my why right now. Okay, thank you. Um, and Francis... What's next? That awful, <laughs> awful question. Which, I, as a disclaimer <laughs> from past experience, I would never normally ask. So, <laughs> well, my my immediate next is one that's just happened this weekend, which is a friend of mine who's come to stay with me, who's having all sorts of problems at home, and so next weekend, she and her children, and me and my children, and my husband, we thought we'd climb Snowdon just to do that. So we haven't booked anything and there's no accommodation, so we'll probably have to camp. But that's the next, is next weekend, hopefully, going up a mountain in Wales. Fantastic. One thing that's really clear talking to the three of you is, on the one hand, you're all the same, as in you all rode the ocean together, you've written a book together, you're all part of the same thing together, but you're all so very, very different. The reasons you did this and the things that got you through it and the impact it's had on you is so different. I don't find that really interesting for different people choosing to live adventurously can come at it from so many different angles, can't they? And I think genuinely that's why we made a good team because you, you don't have to have the same skills and strengths. You have to actually, for a successful team, have different skills and strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. So what, one thing I'm trying to do going around Yorkshire is uh, ask people a bunch of questions. I'm asking everyone the, uh, the same questions to get a different take on it. So... Uh, if you'd like to take a card off the top and uh, give me your answer, your your wisdom, please. So the question is, what advice would you offer to someone who has the same big barriers that are in your head and stop getting on with things? I would tell them to stop overthinking and listen to your gut instinct and just go with it because everything will work out. Okay, thank you. It will be fine. It will be fine, sure. <laughs> Except for the night when you thought you were going to die. Jeanette, I actually don't remember saying you that. Definitely I did. definitely yeah. didn't. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> will you two be quiet, please? Yeah. <laughs> don't argue with a lawyer. Oh. It'll cost you a lot of money. So, tell that my question is: Tell me the story of something you regret. I don't. <laughs> I don't have any regrets. None. Fantastic. Um, I, I won't ask this of you both because I'm going to move on. But I suspect from your personalities, you might be quite different with those answers. So, yeah, you are yeah. uber positive. Yes, yes. Are you ever miserable? On occasion. <laughs> On occasion. <laughs> okay. Ask my husband. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Francis. 
So the question here is, what are you willing to sacrifice for ambition? Oh, what a great question it to ask a, a lawyer. Question, yeah. The power and, woman. Well, and it's a good question for me because I always used to see, and me and my husband used to joke, you know, all these adverts for jobs for ambitious young lawyers. And we used to say, but... What about all the jobs for not ambitious young lawyers? Because we weren't ambitious. We just wanted to go to work, do a good job, and then come home. So I never described myself as ambitious. So actually, it depends what you mean by ambition. Ambition in a career sense, I wouldn't sacrifice anything for that. Because I think the important things are just your family, your friends. and So I'd, I wouldn't sacrifice anything for career ambition. I wouldn't, you know, for family and everything, that's what you'd always put forward really, as your priority, so... I find sure that's interesting really because um, you, from the outside, someone who doesn't know you would look at you as someone who's um, a lawyer, a mum, road notion, doing talks, documentary, um, book out. From one sense, that looks like a very, very ambitious, driven person. But you don't think you are? No, not at all. And when I mix in my lawyer circles, I always feel like they fish out of water. Okay, completely. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Okay, thank you. No, I can believe that. Because all that's just happened is a byproduct, hasn't it? All that other stuff that people think we've planned, all the book and everything, yeah, yeah. just a byproduct. Oh, another one. Thank you. Oh, struggling geez. to see the time. Of how, I'll keep going till I get bored. <laughs> if you could live life over, what would you do differently? Wow. So I can remember having no confidence whatsoever. Or, and I remember being 18 and sitting in Leeds Library wanting to go off and do a fashion course in, in London. And... Um, I was too scared to do it because I was frightened to fail. So I say to my children, I drum into them about not fearing failure because failure stopped me from doing what I wanted to do when I was 18. So I would not fear failure if I could live life again. Thank you, that's a very good answer. We're getting a bit of a gale here now. <laughs> Time to... Uh throw out the anchor and go hide in the cabin. Uh, we'll do a couple more. Okay. Right, so the question is, can you share an example of what the word home means to you? Home, where, my, where I am with the people who I love most and who I want to be with, wherever I am in the world. That's home. Okay. So even, say, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, did you feel at home? On occasions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't always want to be with these three, you know, when I was on the Atlantic. Okay. There were times when I was happy if they'd have been in the water and just me in the boat. But okay. most of the time, it was home. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. What small thing do you do regularly which greatly improves your life? I think the small thing, I don't know if it is a small thing, I say to people that I'm busy when I've got actually nothing to do, but nothing to do me is busy, so I can just um, stay home and 
pretend I'm not in and read a book and watch telly and <laughs> I do lie about that now quite we know, a lot. Don't we know yeah, that yeah. Enough, but <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah. But I need that. Yeah. I'm a complete introvert mm. and being with people all the time drives me insane. Yeah. So the small thing I do is sit and look at the wall by myself in a room quietly. <laughs> I, I completely nice. empathise with that. I loved it, yeah. Yeah. And listening to the same CD again and again and reading a little oh. book and that was I yeah, I like that. It's nice. I saw I cycled past someone yesterday um on the canal near Halifax and she was wearing a t shirt that said, Sorry I'm late, I didn't want to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> What is a good decision you have made in life? What can that teach me about making decisions? I guess I would have to say a decision about having having my children was probably the best decision because um, they definitely inspire me and I learn a lot from them and my life wouldn't be as complete without them. So that's definitely the best decision that I made is having children. That's a very good answer. Right, I think we'll do, do one more each, one more. then I'll let you get on okay. with your cake. What are you scared of? I'm scared of sharks. <laughs> I, do you know, I just watched The Shallows last night. Have you ever seen that? Oh, my God. Have you seen it? No. I haven't. The Shallows. Oh, I'm scared of sharks. Did you see any sharks on your road? I didn't, but I think they did, did and they didn't tell me. didn't tell you? No. One... One of the guys in our boat was terrified of lightning, and that's his big phobia. Oh, so wow. whenever I loved it when there were storms at sea. I loved it. It's brilliant. And he would just, like a, like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, dive into the cabin, which we were all very sympathetic about, of course, and just laughed a lot. But it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> were you going to say something on that? I was just going to say, we did. Nikki and I were rowing, and we saw a shark, and it was obviously a shark. So I stood up and said, oh, look, look at that dolphin over there. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a dolphin. Oh, it was a shark. <laughs> when just the night before we set off to row the Atlantic, we met someone who'd rowed 40 years ago, and he told us he saw a shark pretty much every day, and we didn't see a single one. And wow. I found that so sad. sad. Yeah. The, the decimation. We just saw one, just one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is an absurd thing that you love? <laughs> My husband. <laughs> There's no other answer, is there, to that one, really? That's a, well, that's a great answer. What is the biggest question you would like to answer in your own life? What's it all about? <laughs> yeah, what's it all about? I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that out. Does that need answering? No, I don't think it does. Well, I'm a big believer that everything is mapped out and we have no control over anything. So I tend not to worry about things because I tend to worry everything's, everything's mapped out for us. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, Helen, Francis, Jeanette, thank you very much for You're meeting welcome. me today, giving me cake. Well, I think you gave it to me. I don't know if I'm paying. Did you, no, did you not eat any? You should eat that because you've been cycling. I'm an, I'm an, I'm an athlete. Yeah. You're an athlete. Go on then. Athletes deserve Maltese care. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Most welcome. Now, can we ask you the questions? Those three questions. Do you like the questions? Oh, you yeah. record his answers. Go on then, you interview me. 
you want us to do it on here as well? Yeah, why not? Oh, your questions? Yeah. Okay, I think you need some you ask, yeah, I you like those questions. I don't don't like diss my questions. Now. You thought of them as I well. I know, but I don't like them now. <laughs> Go on. Do you, you want me to do some different ones then? I just ask the same questions. Alistair, what's your story? My story is that I um, am trying to live an adventurous life. And I'm trying to figure out how to go about doing that. And I think I started doing it because I had a massive chip on my shoulder. Ah. And then I kind of got the chip off and then I carried on doing it because I'd opened Pandora's box and was then very ambitious to fulfill life. And then I kind of got over that. And I think now I'm trying to do it because it's made me very enthusiastic and curious. So that's your why as well. You've just answered two, t two questions in one go. Your story and your why. Why do, do you, you know, do it? Why you, do you do adventures? Have you seen the TED Talk, Start With Why? Simon Sinek. Yeah. It's really good. It's made me think about lots. Because normally we talk about what we do, how we do it and why we do it. And this talk talks about first figure out why you want to do something. Yeah. I, why is I want to live an adventurous life. Yeah. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to scare myself, do things mm. that are new, do things that are difficult, put myself in places of uncertainty. Mm. Third question, what should I do? Okay, I'll go ride a bike, play a violin, jump in a river. So you, you've done lots of adventures, the, the smaller adventures and the bigger adventures. Do you, do you plan more adventures? Is that enough for you now? Or are, are you looking at the same kind of life going forward? Are you looking at something different? One of the things I'm really trying to do is to appreciate that I have enough and that enough is enough and to be satisfied with that. And I've always thought of being satisfied as quite a slightly negative, mediocre term. But I think if you can do it well, it's a good place to be. So I'm trying to just get to a point where I can appreciate what I have, keep challenging myself in small and different ways, which I think is increasingly challenging my brain rather than my biceps. <laughs> I haven't got very big biceps um, or very big brain. Um, yeah, and just trying to have small, everyday adventures and sit on my own and read books. That's what I'm trying to do. So what is an adventure? <laughs> My definition of an adventure has changed a lot since I began when it was trying to do bigger and tougher and harder than you could ever do. Okay. That was what I started trying to do. And then it was trying to do bigger, tougher, harder than I had ever done before. Right. And now it is trying to do things that are new and fill me with uh, curiosity and excitement. It's nice to be curious, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I'm relatively late to being curious, I think, in life, but it's brilliant. It makes every day becomes far more interesting when you become interested in everything. Mm, yeah, I think you've done some great adventures and we're very grateful that you've been able to spend some time with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me on your podcast. <laughs> You're very welcome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can put 
that out there. Yeah. <laughs> we could have gone on forever. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. There's show notes from every episode on my website, alistairhumphreys.com slash podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. I teamed up with Kamut to make this podcast happen. In case you missed it, Kamut is an outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Kamut helps you have better adventures is through their inspiring collections. Are you exploring a new area and not sure where to begin? Type in where you want to go and local collections will suggest a number of cycling or hiking tours based on the most scenic routes. It's a great way to get started exploring in a new place, particularly if you don't know where to begin. Wherever you find yourself, your very own outdoor experiences are waiting for you. Go explore more with Kamut. Head to kamut.com slash chi and use the voucher code ADVENTUROUS to claim your free region bundle.